This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So Grace Timothy from Mumface is joining me on the podcast today. Now listeners, she is joining me by Skype. So I'm just going to warn you if you hear any ringtones or delays or anything like that, it is just the power of technology. But Grace, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure, such a pleasure. It's nice to see your face. I haven't seen you for such a long time. I know. I think I've been like hermiting it in like deepest Sussex and not making it to London very often. So I'm very happy to see your face and that it's possible. I know. (laughs) We've been dazzled by the power of technology this morning, this (laughs) afternoon, haven't we? Oh, look, there you are in the computer. (laughs) Like two nanos. Now, gosh, there's so much to talk to you about um, because you've got so many projects going. I think I've read about three of your features this morning. Um, Because did you publish something? You were on the Telegraph today. You've got your yeah, and you've got kind of relating back to the same thing. So it's like there's like a sense of continuity, or that I can't like drop the subject, but it's all. (laughs) Yeah, it's all kind of um, related back to being a mum and being a beauty editor, which is what like is dominating my brain, clearly. I like, I like the idea. It's not a business plan. It's just that I can't <laughs> drop it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a bone that I will not let go of, yeah. Because I remember when I first met you properly, and it was in the back of a taxi. Yes, indeed, that's true. And it was on the way to a dinner in East London, which is why we needed a taxi, because we couldn't possibly managed to do that on public transport by ourselves without a guide and you were I think six to seven months pregnant oh god yeah it was wasn't I yeah yeah completely so at Glamour I'm yes. going probably on their behalf and yes, yes yes I was I was definitely pregnant and you, you like almost broke my waters essentially with your chat <laughs> yes there were some naughty text messages that I was privy to that I was reading out that were making us... I was genuinely concerned at one point. I didn't know whether I had disgusted you or whether I was bringing on labour. You were bringing on labour, but also I was just, like, you updating my friend list with, like, a new potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like being a potty mouth, although it does cause shame to my family. No, it's the best. Like, that's how I know sometimes that it's going to work out, is, like, either, like, profuse swearing 
<laughs> which is like naughty and not cool and not big and all those things but like i like it is in my book <laughs> or filthy chat filthy chat is like my oxygen it makes me really happy oh <laughs> no wait hang on <laughs> <laughs> this has taken an unexpected turn yeah not in like an erotic literature type direction more in like a if you are like an oversharer straight away like i am that makes me oh. really happy but yeah. yes, I can't help overshare, which is why I like um, when I do shows at QVC, because you share a dressing room with somebody, and at five minutes past two in the afternoon, you have never seen that human before in your life, and by eight minutes past two in the afternoon, they know about your facial hair and whether your spanks are not working. And yeah. that, that is, that's why I've made such good friends at QVC, because I'm just like, this is who I am, my spanks are on backwards, but I ha can't have time to change them, and yeah, that kind of chat. <laughs> Um, so would you write an erotic book? Erotic fiction novel? I think you'd be excellent at it. No, oh God, no. I just, no, I think um, I, like I could do like some sort of compendium, like, um, what's the word? When you get loads of like different stories together, like a short story collection. An anthology? Anthology, thank you. Yes, that's exactly it. An anthology collection of stories. Um, and that's no like reflection on my husband. They would be short stories, but <laughs> it's it's the truth. No, I don't think I could think I could do it because I think I would just be giggling the entire time like a child. And I think nobody needs that. Like no one's gonna get much out of that. But maybe who knows, Emma? I do wonder whether E.L. James just spent the entire. I mean, I can't imagine her sitting at the computer like um, Murder She Wrote, like Angela Lansbury, um, earnestly writing Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, there must have been a really i'll come back and finesse that chapter later and just never did i was gonna say she definitely didn't i feel like maybe yeah it would be like chardonnay fueled um type experience and i definitely wouldn't like at the moment i'm wearing three layers of knitwear just so i don't put the heating on and like a big scarf and i feel like and and ugg boots. boots now this is interesting that you say that because i too this is the first day that i've really thought oh it's a little bit um it's a little bit too cold now and I should put the heating on but I am yeah. doing that thing of wrapping myself in, up in nano layers first I'm going nano layers which means that I feel like I couldn't get like down with like the gritty details while I'm wrapped in so many like wool layers I don't know I def definitely am not um so do you think she sat around in lingerie though clearly not I don't know I just feel like the whole thing is just very foreign to me like how do you get in the mindset of writing filth like that I just don't know no, I don't know. I, I think I think you just have to do what E.L. James did, don't sue. It's take another story and then layer the BDSM on top. Okay, so, right. So what would my starter story be then? Well, she, well that's already Twilight, because Fifty Shades was Twilight fan fiction. Oh, I did not know that. And as soon as you, as soon as you know that, you just go, oh, yeah. Um, I, I understand, I may have been misinformed. So maybe you take something like Jane Eyre. Turn Mr. Rochester into a filth bag. Oh, as if that hasn't been done. Yeah, that's really exciting. Okay, so I might, yeah, I might do that. I feel like, again, in my kitchen, surrounded by, like, finger paintings and stuff like that, it's just not the time of life where I'm, eat, like, ready to start making up scenarios. Do you feel like your creative process, because I have this in different ways, your creative process has to be in the right environment? Yeah, less so now because now it's like needs must, like you've just got to get on with it. And I feel like with beauty, because it's like our natural 
subjects mm. apart from all the others that I feel like you, I, I can be way more flexible with beauty because I feel like it is just in my head but I, I do think that there must be a sense of like getting into a certain mindset follows that you would you know maybe need to create an environment where that's like a safe thing much like giving birth in fact and now tell, like, talk to me about that because I've not done it it sounds pretty well, testing it is testing, but the, the, one of the interesting things is at the moment there's a lot of chat about like demedicalizing the whole process. That is, I don't know if that's a word actually, but it's one of my words, and <laughs> um, and that it happens much more quickly and pleasantly if like you're at home or there's just something in the room to kind of make you feel more relaxed and at home and all those things. And my a friend of mine actually um, had her baby at home and had a womb room which was because she was going to give birth downstairs, she sort of changed one of the rooms, which I think was the study or something, into this beautiful like bedroom environment. So when before she building up to like the birth, she would go in there and just like relax, listen to hypnobirthing CDs, like that kind of thing, have it very dark and cozy and stuff. Anyway, I feel like I need a womb room to like birth a book or birth like really, really big features or whatever. <laughs> and that would be weird. But clearly I live in like a two up, two down. <laughs> <laughs> with a loft that is definitely like the Sylvanian room, not the womb room. So, yeah. How... One but, day. But I know what you mean. I know, I'm sure most right. I'm sure like most... When I say writers, I'm talking like people like Stephen King, who yeah. it's like they're huge, huge writing stars. They probably have a place that no one else can go anywhere near. Mm. And if an ornament moves or if the sun hits it at the wrong... <gasps> yeah. That's just no. Not, it's not yeah. going to happen today. No more horror well, for you. It's like an excuse, isn't it? For me, at the moment, because I'm prevaricating, it's like, oh, well, I haven't quite got, like, I can't sit on this chair because I'm, like, my bottom sore. It's really uncomfortable. I can't do it. Whereas, with again, with beauty, like, I've written it on trains. I've written it in cabs. Like, you've, I've, I hid in a toilet recently at an event because I had to file, um, like, a Fashion Week copy really quickly. So I literally left the event, went to the toilet, was on the toilet for a half an hour. And clearly, people were really worried. And, like, finally got the copy out and then, you know, rejoined the party. So, like, I, I just think that it's your personal comfort zone, isn't it? And I think for you and I, that is, like, beauty and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so to move into, I don't know how we got there, but, like, yes, mm. when I write my erotic um, fiction, it's going to have to be in, like, a sex dungeon, I think. <laughs> so you're, you're going to have a super basement. It will be your yeah, sex, dungeon, sex dungeon. Yeah. And actually, where I live, like, lots of houses have basements, so I think, like, they're probably quite common around here. So just burrow down and just see if you can go through someone else's basement exterior wall. Just use yeah, it when they're out. <laughs> I think it's doable. Like, yeah, it's either that or a shed. And I just think sheds are just not sexy, are they? I don't, I've never seen a sexy shed. Well, Doll so. used to write in a shed, didn't he? Yeah, but not sexy. No, 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 I would know. I would never want to project any kind of erotic, <laughs> li- nothing like that. But yeah, I mean, I suppose if it was a well-insulated velvet line shed... Well, now I know where your resolutions lie. It's, yeah, at least we know what kind of shed you need to get yeah. your rocks off and get them on paper. But, like, yeah, I, I just, I definitely think it's, like, another writer's thing that you kind of, like, use lots of, like, oh, I must eat first and I must drink first. And, and that shows that you're, like, maybe, yeah, delaying the whole process a little bit. Yes. So, for clarity. Yeah, the, sorry. The, the book that's in your head that, yes. is, that you are going to birth is not a fiction book. It will be a non-fiction book, correct? Correct. Yes, correct. Um, so it, basically, I'm looking. I've been starting as a beauty editor. Um, I got pregnant, and um, I sort of thought I was in this place of privilege, where as a beauty editor, you kind of, you know, you know a fair amount about what's going on with skin and hair and all those things. You're privy to like 
expert advice and brilliant products and all those things but like I was completely stumped when I got pregnant because my whole body just kind of turned against me it felt like and and I was unrecognizable and all those things anyway so from that moment on I was like my agenda has completely changed because actually um you know the, you can have all the kind of know-how products and everything in the world but actually your hormones and you know this isn't just in pregnancy but your mm. hormones will actually dictate what's going to happen and you can't really fight silly Paul damn the man you have to kind of go with the hormone surges and like find ways to just cope and compensate and stuff so I took that on and wanted to do that as a book um and then as I you know got further away from the newborn and like the birth phase I like I just get over things quite quickly so I was like (laughs) right well now I'm a mum and I'm encountering all these different new kind of either concerns or just new challenges or whatever and I want to also chart that and how you can deal with those things um and then also just finding like this new community of, of women um, that isn't, it's not all just mums, but but just general kind of self-esteem issues and things like that were arising. And there are just so many um, opinions, I feel like, mm. that are um, kind of contributing to maybe not the healthiest um, self-view when you've had a kid. So there's a lot of like kind of... Um, like gentle martyrdom like oh well I don't have time for myself because I literally am all about my kids and and all my time thinking about my kids and doing things for my kids and and I was like that's really interesting I I am quite selfish so I do as much as of that I hope as as is needed but I also want some time to myself and I want to be on my own and I want to do you know whatever um and so it was just I just found all that really interesting and and felt like I wanted to tell more women like if you want to like shut the door of the bathroom and like bribe someone to look after your baby for five minutes while you have a shower, like that's okay. Mm. And actually there's this whole thing about like, if your cup, what is it? I should really like finesse this before I go into it. But it's like, if your cup's only half full, you haven't got as much to pour into your kid. And then that doesn't sound right, does it? No, no, that sounds a bit weird. (laughs) If your cup's empty, something like don't have an empty cup. Always. Empty sippy cup. empty well it's it like, but so the same applies i've seen that i've seen a similar insta quote just um don't always be there for other people you can't you can't serve them from an empty cup like yes. nourish yourself or something exactly but... like that whole thing and like happy mum equals happy baby etc etc and i just feel like um there was an opportunity for me to share what i'd experienced which were like how to like do all the things you used to do but a little bit quicker through mm. like very clever multitasking products or like little hacks and stuff um, and it is like a superficial way to um, kind of contribute back into yourself. But for, that was the only way that I knew how to do that at that point. And um, and as, as, I, as I sort of carry on and now my daughter's full, you know, th- those things change and evolve all the time. And I, I always try and make sure that I've got something just for myself. Mm. And I just wanted to sort of share that really. So the book is about... Um, you know, tackling the myths of things that you're not supposed to do when you're pregnant to, you know, I don't know, the kind of perceptions of what mums should be all about and challenging that. And the whole concept that being a mum or having a mum face is about being knackered and grey and kind of, you know, an afterthought in your family's mm-hmm. life um, to being, you know, really vital and who you want to be and, you know, your old self, your new self, whatever that might be, and to make sure that you're happy and fulfilled as, as much as your kids are. Interesting. Do you so think... that's why I have no room for erotic literature right now. No, no, no. <laughs> and I do understand that. Although, although the world is waiting, you've put it out yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely feel that now. I feel like yeah, this is the moment. Do you think 
Because and I might be wrong, memory, I, I do believe there was drink the evening that we met, on my part, not yours, because obviously you were <laughs> prego. But um, I, ve- I think you said that perhaps it wasn't necessarily, you hadn't planned to have a child that soon, or that you... Mm. Do you think that changed your perspective because you were never sort of thinking, oh, yes, when I'm 25, yes, I'll have a child and then by 35, I'll have had four. Like, do you think that maybe the fact that, was it a surprise? I don't want to put words into your mouth. No, completely it was. So, yeah, I didn't go in thinking, yeah, like you say, have that sort of time frame plan or anything. And I also didn't have a plan of what kind of mother be or what I would do during pregnancy I had no kind of concept and I didn't have that many friends who'd had babies so it wasn't Mm. like I know what that looks like I know what that feels like I really sort of went into I mean I when I actually found out I was in shock like I went fetal and watched (laughs) Alice in Wonderland which is a terrible choice when you're grappling with like that kind of mind um Am I like, I'm not swearing at the moment, but I can feel it coming up so often, and then I'm like, is that something that is a swear-free zone? Oh, no, it's fine, because I, I can just tick the explicit content box when I publish, so it's absolutely fine. Um, I, I think a lot of people... Oh, yeah, a lot of people have, have made me have to switch that, tick that box. Okay, fine, that's good, okay. Please I'm be one of them, me. Grace, yeah. please. <laughs> um, what were we saying about... Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So, it, yeah, I definitely didn't go in thinking, Earth Mother, I'm going to cut out all the toxins from my, you know, I just didn't think anything. And actually, weirdly, I dyed my hair brown about two months before I got pregnant. And there was, before I even got pregnant, people were like, oh my gosh, you're trying for a baby. And I was like, don't be ridiculous. Um, and so, yeah, exactly. So the first thing I remember <laughs> happening was um, people saying, oh my God, well, obviously that's why, because you won't be able to dye your hair now. And I was like, what? So the first thing I did was went to see my hairdresser, got highlights like you know establish that it was safe to do that and then went completely blonde again and because that's a mega myth isn't it the, that's a mega myth that yeah, you can't yeah. hair. I mean, you shouldn't ingest bleach like that's a terrible idea clearly but when it's applied to your hair particularly like if it's not right bang on the root which mm. i mean i've never had highlights go right on my skin so hopefully that's you know across the board um it's not yeah it's not a problem same with spray tans i was like oh maybe i can't do that anymore and actually, it's a really nice pick-me-up, as, you, as I'm sure you'll know. Mm. Um, it's a nice way to perk yourself up a bit. And if you're feeling really dire, it, it can do something to you. It can, well, at least it can to me. Um, so I found out that was okay. Um, nails, having your nails done, all those things. There was, there was so many people saying, oh, no, well, you know, you can't do any of these things now. And you're going to have to just start using hemp on everything. That's <laughs> <laughs> what else. And um, and I just yeah I just made sure that that wasn't true and then spread the word because I thought this is this is bullshit like why why are we all being scared into kind of changing everything and I felt awful so I needed as much support from like my old comforts as I could get really. So you didn't necessarily have people around you who were like this is what you do, and so you became that person not just for yourself but for loads of other people. That's really nice. Uh, well, you know, selfless, <laughs> selfless to a fault, Emma. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. I think I think there is just so much rubbish written about it. And there's so much kind of, you know, you're pregnant and you're ill or you're, you know, you're going to have to go to the doctor a lot and you're going to be feeling sick all the time. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to be that kind of experience. I mean, your body does change and can change at all recognition. For me, it was like I, I had terrible acne. I had eczema. Um, obviously, everything was swelling up and I was getting bigger and bigger. And a lot of that was horrible. But, you know, it... 
it, it also, once I realised I could relax and I could enjoy a lot of the old things that I used to enjoy, mm. it was like, yeah, I mean, okay, this is happening and this is a really positive thing and it's going to end well, hopefully. But, you know, I didn't want to lose all sense of who I who I was just because I was pregnant. I felt a lot of people were encouraging me to do that. I remember mm. one friend said to me, because um, I was working, and she was like, well, we must make time to meet up in London before you go on maternity leave because we won't see you anymore once you've had the baby. And I was like, oh, that, right, yeah. Well, of course not, no, because what? <laughs> yeah, so, and, and she was right, actually, funnily enough. But um, I think, you know, I, there is a sense of, of kind of, if you're not used to it and you're not kind of um, involved with lots and lots of family who have got kids and all that kind of thing, it is a bit like, the unknown and you know it's, it's a scary time and so for me I, I really needed those old comforts to kind of um get me through it and make me feel a little bit better um I mean let's be honest it's not a lipstick is not going to help with postnatal depression it's not going to help with some of the medical things that you can go through during pregnancy that are horrific um it's more that these are things that some people kind of make you feel like you shouldn't be and actually for me it was a really positive part of the whole experience that I was looking after myself using you know these very very innocuous tools um rather than like relying on anything as a crutch or thinking it's gonna you know solve everything so when did it become just well this is what I found out during my pregnancy this is how it was for me when did it turn into mum face because just so the listeners know the mum mum the mum face hashtag mum face is a channel on youtube yeah and where else does it live? Where else um, can the listeners find you? It's mum-face.com as well, which is um, the blog. So I think it was. A, I think Emmy was about four months old when I started the blog, um, and it was because actually in those days I was talking book um, with various people that would be um, like a guide to pregnant beauty. Mm-hmm. And um, I, as I said, I sort of moved on from that phase very swiftly and moved. And I went back to work as well. So I was writing again and everything, you know, just sort of moves on, doesn't it? Um, but that blog uh, existed for like two and a half years. And then I got to the point where I was like, I'm still contributing to it every so often. But I was like, there's got to be more beyond pregnancy. Like I'm still changing constantly and finding new challenges and new lipsticks and all those <laughs> things. And I thought, actually, it's about being it's about being a mum. It's about mm. being a parent and still continuing with those little habits that, that maybe make you feel like your old self. Um, and I mean, like sleep deprivation, fresh hormonal waves. Like there are so many things that you continue to go through once the baby's there. So I just changed it, yeah, to be mum face um, instead of pregnant beauty guide and added the channel as like quick kind of tutorials. Um, basically, there's a huge, huge, huge amount of research now that says that mums are watching more than they're reading which kind of, you know, makes sense when you think of how their days go. Mm. Um, So I wanted to, yeah, add that to the offering, really. And how did you feel? Because you'd never really been a front-of-camera journalist. God, no. You'd never been on This Morning or any Mm -hmm. of the TV. Was that a big... um, Was that a big decision to make? Oh, I'm going to put myself in front of the camera with no makeup on. I'm going to do my makeup in five minutes with a kid running around. I think, weirdly, like... Um, I mean, yes, it was definitely like grappling with it, but I felt like if I didn't do it, I was going to get left behind because that was where everything was headed. And I thought, um, if I'm doing this blog for me, then it's fine to continue anonymously and not put myself out there. But if actually I'm trying to contribute to like a dialogue with women and, you know, trying to engage with them and 
trying to keep it real and be real and not be too kind of airbrushed about it, then I have to do that. And mm. maybe it will have some worth. And, and if, you know, if it does kind of help to be a bit more raw and real about it, then I would definitely do that. Um, and also it's not like going on TV because you can kind of convince yourself, I mean, no one's going to watch it. It's fine. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Um, my mum will watch it. And Actually, my mum does watch it and her eyebrows now are beyond. Are they on fleek? <laughs> <laughs> what is it with brows on fleek just you cannot say brows search brows go into your google browser type brows and it will automatically come on fleek what i know i know i, know. I had to like have several people explain it to me and i'm still a little bit confused but yeah so it just mean brows looking good yeah i think it's like on point isn't it but fle- i don't know what fleek means is that because we're getting older i hope so like i hope that's one of the things that we don't have to you know worry too much anymore yes that is correct. I'm very happy with my range of vocabulary. I will add to it when appropriate, but I don't need to learn certain new things, I don't think. You've got a lovely range of vocabulary. Oh, bless you. It's I've hot. worked very it's hard at it. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah, no, it's very beautiful. Um, so tell me about, because we've all had this, and to give, put it into context, I listen to loads of podcasts, and actually I've been listening to podcasts about three years almost obsessively right from the get-go it started with the Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo film review and then it's just gone on from there and I I, first thing I do every morning I don't check Facebook or social media platforms I look to see what new podcasts have come into my feed yeah and I was listening to Kevin Smith the film director a little while ago he was doing one of these um one of his podcasts where it was in front of a big live audience and somebody asked him about creating a podcast and he said, everybody has, everybody should be doing this. Everybody should have output, whether it's a website, a podcast, a YouTube channel or whatever, because you do it for yourself. And if you've got an audience of one and that person is you, then that's amazing. But yeah. one day, someday, somewhere down the line, somebody will email you and tell you that your content's important to them. And that actually happened to me with this podcast a few weeks ago and I got very misty eyed. Thank you to Yasmin. You know who you are. She sent me the loveliest message on Instagram. And um, has that, when did that happen for you with Mumface? And because it does, it does help you know that you're on the right track. Mm. Um, I think well, there's like twofold on like a really small scale, which is like, yeah, it's definitely not a humble brag. It's just like something that made me Uh-oh, like, it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I literally was bumping into like mates. And um, clearly I'm forcing it down their throats on Facebook every five minutes. But or like, like I said, my mum. And there was just something different. And I'd be like, you look great. Like, what's, what's happening? And they'd all bought this, like, Smashbox eyebrow pencil that I'd been recommending. And they'd all been doing their brows. But so seamlessly that you would not... It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, something major's happened. It was just like, right. oh, something that's really great. And then my mum's, like, rediscovering a love of lipstick. And, you know, it's just... it's just I actually find that so much more gratifying. And it's only friends being supportive, really. Mm. But it's just... It was lovely. Um, and then I've done a few kind of meet-and-greet things where... Um, I think the most important one, having gone through like an acne experience, is people who have suffered with acne and talking to them and finding, you know, solutions that um, that you that are safe during pregnancy and stuff. That has been amazing because I think that's where beauty isn't just, um, you know, a bit of lipstick. It's not this kind of vacuous, superficial, or even worse, this like pressured environment to look a certain way. It's an amazing kind of tool that can actually really help a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever people think about you know, how we look and all those things. If you're suffering with something that's damaging your self-esteem, 
it would be great if there was some way that you could get around that and there mm. often is so that's I think that's the nicest part of the whole thing yeah um, definitely but I mean yeah it's it's definitely like you're right I think it, it's lovely to see numbers rising and things like that but it's one person who says you know that was really helpful that makes you feel like it's worth doing and, and then you get straight back up there and do another one kind of thing yeah. I think that's really nice when um when you had your acne may I ask you because it's my go-to because I'm prone to a breakout do you use Sudocrem? No. You don't? Did you not have no. any luck with that? No, not at all. So I I, I had like a really difficult skin because I get um, like sensitivity around my chin and like under my nose anyway. And so I've got it at the moment. It's like a change in the seasons. I, I get it every October and every February. Um, so And that's like a form of dermatitis kind of eczema. I've had loads of different diagnoses. And I got that with um, acne from like the chin, of uh, the cheeks down. Um, um and during, obviously, there's a lot of things you're not allowed to use. So there's no retinol, no salicylic acid. You kind of are supposed to steer clear of all those things. So I used Ren Clear Calm range, um, which is all kind of naturally based. And, and there's a clay cleanser, which is really lovely. And it just calmed everything down. So I wasn't necessarily, you know, completely spot free anymore. It was just calming everything. And it felt kind and gentle, which is another thing that I feel like, well, you need it anytime you're feeling vulnerable, don't you? Or not mm. very well. It just felt a bit more um, cared for. Um, but in terms of like actually putting things on spots, I still swear by putting like a really good clay mask directly on and leaving mm. it on for longer than is necessary. I've never taken a face mask off, cream, clay, sheet, whatever, within the 10 to 15 minutes, ever. No, no the only thing I find is if there's like a burning sensation. Oh, yeah. But does that make me a renegade or... Am I actually not? I, sometimes I think, is this, is this wise, Emma? Are you just, are you doing any good? Is it laziness? Is the perfect well, dose and perfect time the 10 minutes? So take it off your flipping face. Well, you know your own skin, I guess. The other yeah. thing is, of course, if we get things for free, I think you're much more liberal with them than if you were like trying to eke them out. Preach that, sister. <laughs> yeah, we'll get over and like bath in it and whatever. Um, but I, yeah, in terms of pseudocreme, I actually swear by Walida's nappy cream. Um, firstly as a nappy cream but also for for my eczema thing it, it you know responds really well to that it's like a calendula um, it's a really thick balm um, and I feel like yeah with, with nappy rash it is like a dermatitis so mm. it makes sense that it would therefore be great on all the stuff that I get around my chin um, you know when you get a cold and your nose gets really red and crusty yeah. and sore like whack that on overnight and it's like a lip balm for your nose it's amazing so yeah I've never even gone near pseudocrem because I went straight for the natural you know leader which I love ah, at certain times of the month it will be necessary for me to after I've cleansed my face just pat in pseudocreme it yeah so what does it so because it's kind of like antibacterial and it's, it's an nappy rash cream isn't it so I guess yeah. it's sort of yeah it's that flare-up that you get from hormones or whatever mm. and it just takes the redness out of my face and if I'm going mm. to have a breakout I mean, I, um, I had some hormone, I had some changes in hormones a couple of years ago because of medication and I had terrible acne as a teenager. And then there I was just standing there as a 30 something woman and my whole sides of my face, like from the, from the cheekbone down were really, um, it wasn't even spots. It was, it was a rash, but bumpy rash. Yeah, that's what I had. Horrible. And it got to the point where I would start scratching it with my shoulder. <laughs> Because yeah, I knew yeah. not to touch it with my hands. And then just the relief of just like resting my face on my shoulder was just insane. And pseudocreme really did help. But um, 
I, there's a new range actually that I'm uh, trying out called Skin Fix, and they've got an eczema balm. It's all natural. Yeah, I really like that one. I've got yes, I've got that in a drawer with some other bits. Them, I think that's really nice. Another one that's kind of naturally based, and there's not too many ingredients because I feel like some of them are so overcomplicated that you just start to think if you do react, you don't really know what you're reacting to, and mm. you keep it as simple as possible. Um, but yeah, I think anything that's probably going to deal with nappy rash really effectively is probably going to deal with our little nappy rash of the face. <laughs> nappy rash of the face. Hashtag nappy rash of the Hashtag. face. Hashtag exactly. We get those. And then, I mean, Mum Face is not, well, it's the current continuing project, but you write about so much more. Like, your CV is a redonkulous young lady. Wow. And <laughs> I'm right in thinking, I remember not seeing you for a little while because you had the baby, and then I just think I saw some updates, some interesting updates. Like, yes, Grace Timothy, freelance, and she's been published in American Vogue. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Come again? Yeah. Well, so basically, yeah, I mean, I went freelance, I was freelance just before I had Emmy for about a year, mm. and then I went back, ironically, to do a maternity cover when I found out I was pregnant, which was inconvenient, to say the least, and um, and so when I had her, I just sort of stayed freelance, but I'd, I'd sort of been, you know, stoking the fires before she came along, just putting the word out there a little bit, and um, yeah, I don't know, really, I, I went to New York uh, just before, again, before I got pregnant and met with a few editors and stuff, just on the basis of freelancing and, and wanting to kind of network a bit. And mm. um, they're just incredibly responsive and everyone was really kind. And yeah, I just kept plugging away until I had the idea. I think there's a lot to be said for waiting until the idea, you know it, you just feel it is the right one. And then, you know, going ahead and going in there and hoping for the best. But yeah, really lucky. Where, what was your idea? What was the name of the feature? Well, actually, it was, that's the other thing, is, is working with amazing PR companies who are, like, willing to trust you to take the story. Yeah. So that was um, lovely Jo Malone with Jo Loves and opening her first <laughs> store um, and her new collection sort of Jo Loves products. So um, I was really, really lucky that they trusted me to go and say, like, you know, I've got this amazing scoop about Jo. Um, <laughs> and she was, yeah, she was amazing. And then most recently was um, L'Artisan Parfumaire. So similar sort of thing, so fragrant story, and they were relaunching their whole collection and opening a store in Paris. So that's the second so, time you got published in American Vogue then? Yeah. yeah. High five. <laughs> um, but again, though, because, you know, these really lovely PRs were like, we've got this story, we know that you've written them before, maybe you want to take this on. So, it's yeah, it's all luck and smoke and mirrors and all that kind of thing, and then very patient editors the other end. And talent? I don't know, I don't know. Take the credit. A few adjectives. Jo Malone, MBE, makes my heart sing. I just love her. Yeah. Just lovely. And also her her team are just like the best women. Yes. And also Jo Loves. I've got a really soft soft spot in my heart for for Jo Malone, but also Jo Loves. There isn't a fragrance in there that I don't want to surround myself with constantly. Yes, so true. They're all like perfect. They're on fleek. <laughs> I don't know, but let's just say I reckon probably yes. Um, and and just yeah, incredibly supportive women of women kind of thing. So you know they they've always been really really lovely to me. And I think when you go freelance and you don't have a big title behind you, it's a bit risky. And I I think particularly for a PR to be like right, we're gonna give you the exclusive you know run with it that's such a huge gamble and mm. you know that was re- I was just really really lucky that they were so kind um so yeah that was cool and then there's other kind of American titles that I just do online so I think 
again, when I went freelance, when we were both working in print magazines, there was kind of not as much emphasis on the digital. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Offering from those magazines. So while obviously bloggers were on the rise yeah. the actual magazines weren't necessarily um kind of keeping up with that so it was like an era of I was like I'm happy to do whatever like I'm really happy to do online for magazines that I really respect and, and admire um and it was just lucky that I guess no one else was in that place yet everyone else was kind of like <laughs> well, it's got to be print print is king all that stuff so um yeah it was really 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 lucky I just found the Americans to be so much more like responsive and and accepting and you know I, I when I emailed a few people to say I was coming out to New York every single one of them was like right let's meet for coffee come into the office do this do that and you know in, in England I know that I've freelanced for years and had you know so many occasions where it's an editor even maybe that I've met and still you know there's nothing there's radio silence so I, I just was blown away. They were so lovely. And they still are really, really kind people. Mm, I'm always um, completely... I mean, teams are much smaller than they used to be back when we were in print. Yeah. And I'm always... My, we've all got buddies who work on magazines. And I always just want to sort of give them a little hug when I see them because they do so much. Mm. Yeah, God, I mean, most online stuff is done by the magazine team, right? Mm. So, yeah, th- there's there's so much more to kind of get out there now and all the social media and stuff. So... Yeah, from my point of view, great time to go freelance. I was like, yeah, I mean, bloody hellfire. I um, went to the Beauty Blogger Awards recently and did a little presentation. And I think I've already said this on a podcast, but I'll say it again. I fell off the stage mid-presentation. <laughs> Didn't realise there was a gap between the back of the stage and the screen. So when I went to go and point at something, I just went whoosh and disappeared between... It was, I mean, it was a great moment. Oh, Emma, of course it was, yeah. No, it was, it was awesome. And hey... These things are here. I mean, I, do you know, I was always terrified of falling. You know, at prize giving at school, I was always terrified of yeah. um, tripping up on the stage. And I never did. So this, I guess I, I guess I was always due a fall on stage. But, I think we're all due a fall, let's be honest. <laughs> but um, uh, one of the questions that I got asked at the end of the presentation was, what do your beauty editor friends think about you having a digital presence? Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised that it was even a question, because I think most of us have turned ourselves into brands yeah. in some way. Like you've got mum face, I've got this podcast, everyone's got their kind of, it's, you're no longer part of a magazine in the way that we used to be. And you would mm. sort of go from one magazine to another and that would be your career path. Now it's, it's you and the magazine as it were. Mm. It's interesting times, all changing. It is definitely. I, I mean, I don't even, I think all my friends who work in magazines have got a massive digital presence mm. because they have to. And, I think every magazine also, it's not, at, you know, just the kind of top um, echelons of the magazine masthead that are out there doing stuff. It's everybody's doing stuff. Um, and, and that way, I think it's really, it's been amazing because it's been quite democratic and given everybody an opportunity to do something more kind of upfront. Mm. Um, I, think it's, I think it's an amazing time to be a beauty assistant in particular because I think yes. you just, 
get exposed to so much more than we did um and it's not all just kind of <laughs> picking up coffee or whatever you're you, there's so much more demanded of you and um and it's an amazing kind of time to learn and grow with the industry because mm. everything is changing constantly I, so interesting you say that i've definitely noticed that some people have had really stratospheric well career trajectories now that you just would not have had 10 years ago it would have taken them much longer to get to where they are but it's so well deserved because they I guess it's quite it's a lot of high pressure and they just really survive and thrive in it and they just go on to do incredibly well it's really exciting to watch actually I really like it I think yeah it's a really lovely time to be in the industry I think also um you know if you've been at college more recently than maybe we have maybe there's (laughs) a bit more kind of emphasis on digital and so I think it must be really exciting to come into a magazine at like 21 or whatever and have all these skills already that they're dying to utilize mm. that maybe they don't even know they need yet I mean I think it is just a great it's a great time to be 20 I mean, <laughs> it's always a great time to be 20 I think it's always a great time to be 20 yeah but maybe even more so now than ever um but I think yes yeah, I really love watching that and I, I've worked with so many amazing um people that well that are in their 20s still now mm. and just think like it's, I think if, as long as they're around, it's, there's a like, bright future ahead kind of thing. Indeed. Now, you mentioned about um, the book and about Mumface dealing with self-esteem. Mm. As somebody who doesn't have children, the content I tend to see, which comes up on my Facebook as, you know, clickbait or what have you, there does seem to be... Um, I could feel a lot of pressure if I was a new mum and I didn't really know my way. I'd read one article and think, God, I'm a terrible mother because I didn't cook fresh beans or yeah I just feel like there's a lot of places to find information that you're a bad mum yeah is, is that true is that the case that yeah. it can feel quite tough and intimidating I think like you can look for it and feel awful and feel you know basically I, I've got this sort of personality where I do take quite a lot of, of stuff as criticism mm-hmm. so rather than thinking like oh that's a new way to do things how empowering I'll be like oh my god why didn't I do that before and now everything's fucked um so, yeah, I've, I've automatically got that as my first kind of line of defense. And, and, and as a result, I think that makes me hopefully a quite a good front line mm-hmm. because I can kind of weed out that stuff and go, OK, let's just completely disregard then. If it's going to make you feel like crap, let's not even go there. Um, but I've read um, a few parenting books. The, the, the first like bit of being a mum is all right because it's all quite practical. Like you've got to keep your kid warm but not too hot. You know, <laughs> you've got to keep them, I don't know, watered. I guess like you can't really ever do that all those things are quite kind of basic survival instinct things and the books are quite helpful because it's literally like this temperature is perfect or Mm -hmm. you know if this happens maybe do this but um as you go on and it's more about like their sort of social well-being and their emotional well-being um there's just so many avenues and that's terrifying because you just want one that's the right way and unfortunately you know that's just that doesn't exist so yeah I have I've beat myself up so many times about so many different things whether you're you know like an attachment parent which is you know you're there all the time with that child everything is about that or um whether you do that too much and then you're overindulging and there's just it's like a minefield so I like with my book clearly it's not about parenting or anything like that because I I cannot I just can't but it's more about kind of looking after you and, and it's, you know, you are going to go through all these moments of like, oh my God, what am I doing? And this is really tough. It's one of the hardest things I have ever done. And so you deserve someone to say to you, it's okay to just crumple up and collapse. It's okay to have five minutes on your own. It's okay to shut the door, pretend you're weeing and like, have a good cry or 
brush your hair or brush your teeth or whatever it is that gives you five minutes on your own and and for me like the beauty industry as 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 cruel as I know a lot of people do find it had that in spades it had Mm. so many little opportunities to look after yourself and not all things that cost like 300 quid you know I'm not talking about like 70 quids worth of candle or whatever (laughs) it's just like little well-being nuggets that don't you know, require you to fly to the south of France for three weeks or have a full-time nanny or whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely... I, I, it's it's unethical you time, I suppose, is the thing. And I think that's become, like, slightly unfashionable to, that you should maybe, because you are such an attachment parent, you're such a good parent, you're such a good working mother, you're such a good wife, all these things, or partner or whatever, or, you know, or just a good daughter to your family. There's so many pressures placed on you that you are the last priority kind of thing and I think it's become you know it's it's almost like it's cooler to sort of self-sacrifice now and I feel like that's that you know that's great if that's what you want to do but actually it's okay also to justify to yourself like it's okay do you ever give your are you able to give yourself a pat on the back um I don't know yeah I mean I'm very good at giving myself time off now (laughs) (laughs) and that's like the that's like the pat on the back I suppose the equivalent I don't think I ever sit there and think wow you're nailing this Timothy yeah no but I mean I don't know many people that I'm friends with that have ever said that but no I don't think so I think even with you know it's a bit like being a freelance journalist every piece you write you're like oh great that's cool and um and then you're on to the next one you don't really have time to sit around and and kind of bask so I think it's the same you know being a mum each little project is the same as each little milestone that the kids go through um, and I just find that the, like the lovely part of it is just the physical part of it. So when she sat on my lap and we're, you know, cuddling or whatever, then you just forget all the shitty stuff that you mm. have to go through and just think, yeah, of course this is worth it. It's the most amazing thing that ever happened. Um, but yeah. no, patting on the back is not. I don't think there's time for that. No. Um, I was speaking to my um, mentor last night, the Queen Bee, Nadine Baggett, and um, yes. she... Um, she said to me stop comparing yourself to the stop to the top one percent and actually she said that to me a couple of times and I'm like yeah I do need to remember that because sometimes I can get myself into an adrenal panic of oh my god have I published anything this week and is this and I can actually spiral and so and it's just just like just just you're, you're fine just so maybe it's not a pat on the back maybe it's just taking that moment to go it's all okay I don't know yeah, yeah, completely. I, I guess, I mean, I, for me, it's like paying the mortgage. Like, oh, yeah. so we're still here, we're still in this house. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I would advise doing it. I just haven't quite reached it yet, I guess, maybe. I haven't reached that point myself. I'm so, like I say, I'm very good at, like, treating myself, taking time out. I'm, you know, good at being alone and making time for that. But I suppose it sounds too self-congratulatory, doesn't it? And I think until you're, particularly with having kids, if you, when your kids like maybe 18 and they're off doing their own thing, then maybe you get a moment to go, whew. But then but don't I you just panic assume... and go, who are they with? Are they drinking? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, God, yeah. I'm ter- I just, actually, that's even worse than having a four-year-old, I think, probably. Terrifying. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think definitely it's quite good to... Well, I think what's really nice about everybody talking about being a mum, because people are so much more vocal about it now, is that no matter if you're looking at, like, Chrissy Teigen, who, you know, is doing it with a whole bunch of money behind her and in a really beautiful setting and all that stuff, compared to, you know, you're just at home in Sussex kind of, you know, trudging along, 
is that we all suffer the same thing. So mm-hmm. she'll be like, you know, leaky boobs, OMG, or whatever. And there's a real, like, nice democratic across the board. Everybody's going through this together. And it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter, you know, whether you are the top 1% or not. Um, and the only thing that's really sort of separating us is the amount of help that I think we all get. So mm-hmm. I suppose, I mean, I, I can't speak for, for good old Chrissy, even though I feel like we should be best friends. We're not yet. So I don't know. But I, I mean, like I that too, I, though, Grace, so awkward so good best friends i feel like she's gonna listen to this and then she'll ring me probably yeah um but i mean by me me. yes exactly i am i don't have a nanny and um you know i i don't have the the money to kind of have that kind of support network um that maybe would make it even easier Mm. so i suppose yeah i think like you are you are in a prime position to sit there and particularly on instagram facebook and look at with children and their perfect lives and just think oh my god it's you're making it making it look so it looks so it looks so easy and i'm finding it really hard but i think what's nice is that there's more and more dialogue going on now and there's no shame in saying oh my god i'm having such a hard time you know this is a real struggle for me um there's so many more women in the public eye doing that now and i think mm. that's such a brilliant brilliant thing and now we've kind of identified that we all find it hard it would be nice to then offer up something that, that look these are the things that actually might make it a bit easier mm. I think Chrissy Teigen does it by being hilarious on Snapchat. Oh, she's amazing. <sighs> she's just so funny. Yeah, so funny. And so real. Like, she's so cool to be that honest and stuff. And there's no kind of, you know, that kind of airbrush poutiness about her in, in what she says and stuff. It's all, yeah, this is this bit's a bit of a shocker, isn't it? Or, you know, <laughs> she's going through the same stuff that we're going through. Yes, it is nice. You're right. Because I think, I remember a while ago feeling like there was sort of a lot of mum shaming. But from what you're saying, and I'm obviously not plugged into it in the same way that you are at all, but uh, it sounds like the tide has turned, which is a very positive thing. Totally, yeah. I think I think that's the case. I think this whole being a bit more honest and real and, and self-deprecating is going across a lot of channels. I don't think it is just, you know, mums in general. But mm. um, but it, it can only be a positive thing because I think if, if you're at the really far end of the spectrum and you're really suffering, like what's worse than tuning in and seeing someone being like, Life is great, life is amazing, you know. I, I mean, I'm guessing the same thing's going to happen when my daughter's properly at school. I'm guessing that whole thing of like, well, my daughter's in the school play, well, my son's doing, you know, his head of the rugby team, blah, blah, blah. I'm guessing that that happens as well. Mm. And I just think, like, I want to be that one woman who's like, well, you know, my kid just shut herself. Or <laughs> I've got a massive spot, you know. I don't know, just the things that kind of ground you again and make you... My child is tone deaf and is never going to win X Factor and be really okay with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and, I, and also because I know that all of that stuff counts for nothing. Like, what I desperately want is for Emmy to be healthy and happy and, you know, enjoy herself. And uh, But, I mean, in terms of, yeah, you projecting yourself as this perfect mum and, you know, in some ways, makeup and all that stuff could be a problem because it's it's part of that whole like dressing up what is actually you know maybe not so real Mm. but I the way that I use it is that it's it makes me feel better it makes me look at myself in the mirror for five minutes and smile and be nice to myself do you know what I mean and I think it's very easy to just Mm. rush through everything being a mum and working and all that stuff and just you just you you like lose awareness of your body and your everything and it's for me it's yeah it's like a moment of self-reflection you know quite literally um, that has been a really positive thing that I've continued, mm. regardless of you know, whether I'm having a child or not. Um, yeah, God, rambling on about being a mum. Like, I, mean, really... I can re- I can relate to it a little bit in terms of when there's been difficult times um, 
for, for whatever reason, the, the first thing that can go is doing makeup and taking care of your appearance. And it sounds like a really superficial thing because obviously you are dealing with the surface. But I remember um, you know, having a difficult time relatively recently and the day that I was standing in front of the mirror putting on my blusher made me go, oh, okay, that's, that's actually a landmark that I have to really recognise and sort of make a note of because I'm taking care of myself again. Like, it, all is not lost. That indicates that I feel I'm, you know, I've crossed a threshold of, you know, things aren't as rubbish as perhaps they were a few weeks ago. So mark it and keep keep going up, so to speak. Yeah, and that's I yeah definitely. Yeah, so and it it's depends on how thing. you use makeup, doesn't it? It's like if it's a crutch then that's tricky because it's not it's not like a band-aid it's not going to solve anything but if it's um an opportunity for you to look at yourself and be kind to yourself and and it feels like you're looking after yourself then that's that's got to be a good thing to kind of keep in your routine and it might not be makeup it might be cleansing or using an oil that smells really great that lifts your spirits a bit mm. or you know whatever it is it's more about time and and for some reason i don't know if other people find this but you know that i live with my husband mm. um if I say I really, really need to go and, you know, wash my face or whatever, it's almost like, yeah, of course you do. Like, that's fine. Off you go. Whereas if I was like, right, we're um, friends now for an hour, he might be a bit more like, okay, but, you know, we need to change the nappy or whatever it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's almost like self-care is like quite a vital part of, of being a human being or whatever. So, I yeah, I'm, I feel like I constantly have to justify it. Like there's a lot of chat about I definitely do not want to put anyone under pressure that they should make makeup part of their you know like mm. week old baby's routine or whatever <laughs> like there's there's bigger fish to fry but it's just it's just about self-love really and, yeah. and using beauty in that way to kind of I guess that that pat on the back really like you were saying really, really like giving yourself five minutes to be like still me I'm still here even if you know I'm like rubbing oil into your cuticles at bedtime or yeah, spritzing yeah. your pillow. I tell you what, one of the greatest beauty inventions. It's not even a beauty invention, but I, I'm going to absorb it into into my beauty world. Is the sleep pillow spray from this works? Yeah. It's yeah, the yeah, greatest it. thing ever. Mm. It's genius. It's also genius for babies because we use. There's like a kids version. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's very different, but um, it's quite good if you're going away with a really small baby that they have a sense of like recognition. So, like, you spray that on, you know, an airplane or you spray it when you in a new hotel room or whatever and there's, like, that connection with bedtime. So I love. I thought that was, that was, like, my crack for months. Really? That is fair. I hadn't even thought about it like that, about the sensory memory stuff. It's genius stuff. It really... And my daughter, actually, I still put lavender on her pillow, like, an essential oil, and, like, we'll put a little bit on her temples sometimes if she's really fraught or, you know, having... A stressful time <laughs> nursery wait what <laughs> if she's like super stressed out about deadlines <laughs> no I mean you know it's just it's one of those things I, I really wanted to have her to have that sense of um you know smells that are comforting and mm. smells that are soothing and all that kind of thing and my mum um used to practice as an aromatherapist so I've always had that in my life um really? Yeah, and and it's we've we've passed it on. My husband's like getting there as well. He's like a, a really kind of cynical. Um, he's a physio, so he's very more sort of medically minded. And even he now, if he's got a headache, I'll reach for the lavender, and he won't touch immediately. He'll just let it happen. Wowzers! So it's a really nice kind of little natural um, sort of first aid kit in our house. That sounds lovely. 
I do know that um, I interviewed the very wonderful, um, dearly departed Geraldine Howard. Oh, did you? Wow. Um, and I only met her properly the once, actually, about five or six years ago. And she was making up an oil. It was one of those things where you met her in a hotel and she had a conversation with you and she made up a, an oil. And um, I'd never really got on with, with oils before. And now, I, I mean, they're everywhere in my bathroom. I absolutely adore them. And I'm like, you know how you get your transseasonal skin? Mm. I'm exactly the same, but I have it with energy. February and October, I have a week where I'm just, I could walk around in a circle and fall over. I just really lose all of my energy. Yeah. And um, she told me to get the the Revive um, oil. Oh, and before yeah, I, bef and this is, this is insane. It's so obvious when you think about it. It's one of those things that you have to speak to the expert sometime for it to sink in. She said, rub it into your chest before you get into the shower. So get up, brush your teeth, rub it into your chest, and then, you know, leave it five minutes. Then get into the shower. And then what happens is you get the benefit of having rubbed it into your skin. But then when the water hits it, you, you basically have a full body inhalation. And I cannot tell you, that is one of the best beauty tips I've ever been given in my entire life. Because if I've got a cold now, I use a spearmint and I do the same thing. And it's absolutely faultless, works every single time. The power yeah. of aromatherapy is amazing. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? I think definitely. And, and emotionally as well, I think anything that... Whenever I've had difficulties dealing with something, my mum's got like this amazing wooden box full of essential oils and she just pops one out and it's like... It'll either release everything and you'll just cry and cry and cry or you put it in your bath and you'll relax. Or I mean, I think they are incredible and there's such like it's such an untapped resource even now. Well, can I have your mum on the podcast to talk about that? That would be amazing. Yes. She is major. She would swear a lot more than I am. Excellent. Because I, to be honest, you haven't dropped nearly enough f bombs. Bit vanilla today. Bit, bit magnolia. Yeah, not. <laughs> she, she would be. Yeah, she'd blow your mind. She's really amazing at that stuff. And and that's another thing to kind of pass on is I, you know, I know that when people are pregnant, they quite often go for like an Elemis kind of pregnancy massage or whatever. And I also know that there's a lot of things that you're not supposed to do. You know, essential oils are can be dangerous when you're pregnant. Mm. There are some that you, you absolutely shouldn't go near. But the amazing kind of um, invigorating effect, the amazing kind of um, soul-soothing effect that oils can have, and it's it's. I think it's still kind of a bit of a grey area for so many people. Mm. Or they think it's a bit hippie and a bit like you're going to be sort of robbing crystals and stuff. And it's, it, I mean, it's amazing what it can do for you, whether you're just breathing it in or whether you're putting it on your skin. The, when you get the right ones, it's, you know, phenomenal. So that's another thing I wanted to kind of bring in was like, you know, the safe things that you can do for yourself that will really help. And then how you can take that on with your baby as well. Well, that's really interesting because I have, I always thought fake tans, you had to find the right kind. Bleaching, highlights, no, no, that was no, because for years you always knew if a celebrity was pregnant because they'd suddenly go down a couple of shades and you'd be like, okay, what's yeah, this yeah. about? Um, but actually the fact that it's all safe and I've seen, I mean, we're friends with lots of people on Facebook who have blogs and I've seen several of them before talk about, oh, why do people think that you can't have highlights when you're pregnant? It's yeah. an absolute nonsense. Um, so it's really nice. Well, I'm sure the listeners who have babies or who are pregnant or who are trying to get pregnant will head over to Mumface and they must watch you do your makeup in five minutes. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've just had to. I, I was, like, quite taken about what people said about that because I was like, well, yeah, it takes five minutes. I don't, like, that's every day. I don't, I definitely don't have time 
to do any more than that. But also, I'm kind of impatient and bored. Like, I just, yeah, five minutes on makeup, and then I would rather do, like, ten minutes or whatever on skincare or, you know, some sort of, like, cuticle massage or something like that that feels a bit more pampery. But, yeah, five minutes is what you need. Also, you make it look so easy, and you look really nice afterwards. Like, you look like you've spent a lot longer on it than just five minutes. Well, that is very nice of you to say. I watched (laughs) it, and I was dazzled. That is, yeah, that's the nicest thing I've ever heard, clearly. <laughs> I think it's just, like, the, the idea that I would sit there contouring while my kid, like, you know, balances on the <laughs> stairs or something and, like, teeters on the edge is just, yeah, I can't, like, no, definitely not. Also, like, who am I seeing in my day? Like, that's always, I think, an interesting thing. If I'm going to London, well, I, I do it on the train, to be fair, I'm one of those, so, again, it's five minutes, but... If I'm, you know, taking my kid to school and then picking her up from school and then working all the way in between, I don't know, I don't want to waste that much makeup. No, and also, you don't want to be, like, as you say, you don't want to be, like, perfecting a matte liquid lip whilst you can hear <laughs> me playing with matches in the background. Like, yeah, it's just exactly, not, you're so right, it's just not a priority right now. It's just not, although, yeah. that's that's something I can do, being childless, I can, I can put on, and I do frequently on freelance working from home days, you're seeing me in gym kit, because after I stop recording, I am going to go and do leg day. But yeah. on other days, I will wear all the liquid matte lip and I will contour and I will probably wear three to five sets of false eyelashes because yes, it's that thing of it's pure procrastination. I've got an idea in my head and I think maybe this extra set of 301s, top and bottom, will help me get this feature out. It never does. Are you sure though? Actually, now that, maybe I should fund a study. This is my new thing. I don't know. I think I think it's all part and parcel of your job, isn't it? It's fine. I I love that I will say to you know Richard of an evening, I've got to go work, so I'm going to go up to the loft, and I'm going up with a huge bag of products, and I'm basically going to rub myself. Oh, for <laughs> it's hot now. We're back to the womb room. I thought you were going to say big bag of cheese puffs. That's where my mind went. <laughs> oh, I wish it was cheese puffs, and that would be an even better oh. cheese puff reviews. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it's 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 just nice to indulge, isn't it? And I think mm. whether that's five minutes or twenty minutes or an, an hour. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I would in an ideal world go and get a massage every week, definitely. Would you though? Yeah, I would genuinely you? would for like emotional well-being for everything. Right. Like, I think it's so good for you. And I would get a facial every six weeks as well. Mm. That doesn't happen here in this world. No. No, I just try to. I I must admit, having I'm been in that privileged position of having had lots of treatments over the years. And I'm quite, I'm one of those people that when I'm getting my hair done, I watch, like I forensically like figure out what they're doing and then I copy it at home. Yeah, oh, that's genius. And so actually, so I can do my own manicures and pedicures and I actually find sitting and having someone else do it actually gives me the, I want to jump up and down and, and start sort of, it just makes me feel icky because I think, oh, I can do this. You yeah, can do something I, yeah, else with your yeah. day. Yeah, see, I just, I can't fall asleep as soon as anyone touches me. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, like, nodded off in the hairdresser's chair before. Like, I've done it at the dentist, even. Easily. I'm also... Because de- when I fall asleep, there's obviously... I have something in my body that means that I don't expel... There's some air that gets caught. So without fail, as I'm as I'm nodding off, I'll go... Eh. And it's just... <laughs> I've woken up during lectures. I've, I mean, because I did used to fall asleep during certain lectures. I've woken up on the train doing it. And then I'm like... <coughs> trying to pass it off as it. like a coffee thing so yeah I have in, in massages just made horrendous noises of <laughs> <laughs> if my head's not supporting there's a head roll like a neck roll it, will, it won't be a 
it will be a uh. <laughs> just, that's the worst the head roll is and like that like slight dribble is just the worst oh dribble's horrendous not okay no there's another podcast feature in that um yeah, can i also get you to tell the brilliant anecdote because you're you're so you make me laugh more than most people anyway Oh. But you told me something over email recently that still I sometimes go back and look at it because it just makes me chuckle the way you said it. You oh, were no. you were at one point you did consider becoming an actress, did you not? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Wait, no, I just still don't know which one you mean because I feel like the whole thing was a bloody disaster. Well, no, the anecdote you told me over email when we were chatting about something else completely was that you auditioned to play someone's daughter and didn't get the role. <laughs> Whose yeah. daughter did you audition to be? My very own father's. <laughs> yeah, that was a real low point. In fact, that was when I decided to become a journalist. <laughs> no. uh, well, basically, yeah, my dad was in Doctors, and um, he I'd actually auditioned twice to play his daughter. I think he, maybe he had two daughters in the series. Like, even on the desk in his, like, pretendy office was pictures of me, because obviously he needed to have, you know, family pictures around, and they asked to have ones of the real family. So there's pictures of me on the desk and everything, and I still didn't get it because I was terrible. No, I, I genuinely can't believe it. But I think I, he was directing the episode, so it might even mean that he didn't. Wait, get, like, did he yeah. make the decision? Did he? Possibly, possibly. <laughs> it was awful. It was the most awful thing. And yeah, I was like, I think maybe this dream that I've held since I was five is like not going to work out. Weirdly, um, and then I got work experience at the Times, and I never looked back. And it was like, thank God for that. I just think that I'm just I just think that's so hilarious. You took the way that you told me that story of just yep auditioned twice didn't get it career change like just yeah you took I mean, it on the chin. Get <laughs> that you can't get anything that's ridiculous because a lot of the like sort of things that make you feel better are that people say you just didn't quite look right like we were going for someone with dark hair or <laughs> but I, I look just like him like we are doppelgangers of each other and you know it's just not that's not cool. Mm. But hey, look, you went to the time. And actually, let's just talk about that very quickly before I let you go, because I know that you have a busy afternoon. And obviously, I've got leg day. Um, leg day. <laughs> leg day. Um, started off at the Times. So yes. I met you, you were back at Glamour doing a paternity cover, but you had been there as beauty editor for some time before that as well. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I sort of been back and forth with Glamour. So I, um, I, when I was at the Times, I was actually in fashion, but they write a few beauty pages, or they mm -hmm. did... Um, and so I, I like dabbled in beauty a bit and thought, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe this is a job. But ultimately, I was already on the road of fashion. And um, I worked for lots and lots of regional titles in Sussex, which was like an eye opener. Experience. We'll take this conversation offline. Yeah. <laughs> and an amazing experience, like amazing place to learn all that stuff. And then I do not know what happened. But off the back of that, of, you know, styling um lingerie shoots in Brighton like with just a sex shop to borrow clothes from I then went on to get a job at Vogue which <laughs> yeah. really weird actually I still don't really know what happened except that I think I had definitely said in the interview that I, I agreed that I could speak Italian so I didn't like volunteer the information but I was like sure I can speak Italian and I definitely can't so maybe it was that but so I worked at Vogue for a couple of years in fashion and then wait I, wait wait um, wait you yeah. said that you could speak Italian during the interview, which you couldn't, or somehow you were coerced into saying that you could. But did you never have to use that skill? Uh, I bought a couple of dictionaries on my first day, a couple <laughs> of Italian dictionaries, and and no, it never really. It would have been helpful if I had, but I managed to kind of circumnavigate all those situations where I would have needed it. It was fine. 
It was things like, you know, speaking to the Italians who would drive everybody around at Milan Fashion Week um, and booking restaurants and stuff. Oh, right. Okay, so it wasn't like having to write in Italian. I don't think... No, 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 I don't think so. Although, God, I did pitch to um, French Vogue once and the lady was so lovely. She's such a nice nice woman and was like, yep, definitely, like, you know, send some ideas through, etc. Do you speak French? Are you fluent? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. She was like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the main, the main kind of facet of French Vogue is that it is in French. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I, I totally see your point. What's uh, wrong with I Google Translate? Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. Anyway, so yeah, I did two years at Vogue in fashion. And then, yeah, clearly there's not really anywhere to go from Vogue with fashion. And I really wanted to get into beauty and left to go freelance and got a job at Glamour just as I was leaving. So that was my first maternity cover at Glamour. Mm. And then... Uh, and then I went freelance and then I went back on maternity cover and went freelance and went back on maternity cover. So I've just finished another maternity cover um, and I'm freelance again. Loving it. Loving it. Which is why on a Tuesday afternoon we're gassing at each other via the power of these computers. So lucky. Yeah, it feels like therapy. Yes. It's lucky. Well, you're welcome back anytime. And I, the, the invitation is open to mum Timothy, mum face Timothy. Oh, yeah, she would love it. She would be all over it. She's a big gasser, as you can probably guess from our gassing. Yeah. Yeah, she'd love it. And she will, like, soothe your soul with her own therapy goddessness. Well, that settles it. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, listeners. If you want to find Grace, then all of the links to her YouTube channel, her website, recent work, um, her social media channels will be in the show notes. Um, but for now, Grace, I don't even want to say goodbye to you. Oh, I want you to come over nice. and have wine. Now. Yeah, that's the only flaw in this whole Skype situation, <laughs> isn't it? There's no, like, chilled anything. No, What's... no. Um, well, oh, I say, while I'm doing legs, you could drive up here and then I could bring the wine, but we yeah. should plan it for another day. It's my birthday soon. Maybe we'll have a, <gasps> a drink in town. Yes! Yes! Huzzah! Thank you for listening. Thank you, Thank you for being a guest. Um, I want you to come back soon. There, I said it. That was Grace Timothy, wasn't she a joy? All of the links to Grace and her website, YouTube channel, social media links will be in the show notes. And I just want to take this opportunity to thank everybody who has been emailing in recently and everyone who has showed their support on Twitter. And um, I have to admit to having a few tears in my eye this week because quite a few of you have been over to iTunes and written reviews and left five star ratings, which warms my cold black heart. Thank you once again. Um, The show is weekly, so stay tuned and there will be a new episode next Sunday. Thanks for listening.